Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Woohoo! <laughs> indeed. Oh, there's the brown line. <laughs> Oh, the COVID's kicking in, D. Hold That's, on. Let me have a drink of water. Still okay. not a funny joke. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. All righty, <laughs> then. <laughs> oh, that fired me up for the topic of the day, D. Very uh, appropriate. <laughs> that, of course, is Mayor Lori Lightfoot from her last PSA. We'll, we'll get it. That's, it's called a tease, everybody. A tease. You are good, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, May 26th is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors. As well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke, and so much more, including political columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, Maya Duke-Masova. And they even talk about restaurants and food. So much. It's Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. Also, if you want to help out the program, you can become a bin head. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. You can either be in the alley, the avenue, or the boulevard. For more information, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. And the Ben Jarofsky Show starts right now. It is Wednesday, May 26th, and still live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson returns. And now your host. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Stupid Chicago Wednesday, and here's why. Woke up this morning, got hit with the media equivalent of a one-two punch from Mike Tyson. Boom, boom. Man, I was stumbling around seeing stars. Didn't know where I was. First, there was breaking news from Patrick Smith, ace reporter at WBEZ. Then there was the latest public service announcement from Mayor Lightfoot about the beaches being open. Woohoo! To quote Mayor Lightfoot from her last public service announcement. Announcement. So let's start with Mister. <laughs> let's start with Mister Smith. Okay, give this young fella a raise, BZ. That's a great story. 
It's all about how the mayor was telling us one thing. While meanwhile, behind her back, she and her allies and her aides were saying something completely else. In other words, they were treating you, the public, like the dummies they think you are. Let's get it away. Let's take it a little. Let's get a little more specific, huh? Take it away, Patrick Smith. Quote, after a violent Fourth of July weekend in 2019, both Mayor Lori Lightfoot and then police superintendent Eddie Johnson pointed the finger at the county court system. End of quote. But... Quote, about 10 days later, then Deputy Mayor for Public Safety Susan Lee emailed her colleagues, alerting them that a group of other public officials had taken issue with the mayor and superintendent, attributing violence to the people bonding out of jail, referring to the process in which people accused of crimes can pay money to be released from jail if a judge finds that they're not a threat to the public. End of quote. Moreover, Lee wrote in her email that she knew there were concerns about the quality of this data from some, but she also wrote that the Chicago Police Department was invited to to review the data, but that review never happened. Hmm. And then Mr. Smith, like Mike Tyson, lowers the boom. Quote, despite Lee's concern and the available data, the talking point persisted. End of quote. Boom, as the kids back in the day used to say, treated or trick or treated, if you were really treated. D, do they still say treated or is that just. I have no clue. That <laughs> could be like, man, that's so 90s. <laughs> I'm always behind the time. And how did Mr. Smith from Bree Easy know about these emails? Well, how else? He got them from the emails hacked by the hackivists, the ones we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks on this show, the one that Freddie Martinez was on the show just talking about yesterday. What was the mayor's response to WBEZ's revelation? Again, I quote from the BEZ story, quote, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration is not commenting on anything contained in the email hack, saying that, quote, reporting on materials compromised during a third party vendor data transfer makes all of us less safe and encourages future bad actors to use nefarious means to gain information. Oh, nefarious means to gain information, to gain access to the stuff you should have been telling us from the first place, the stuff we need to know if we're going to be enlightened citizenry, except a bunch of dummies that you put in the, in the closet. Like mushrooms and feed BS. Open up. Eat. (laughs) Uh, We're not going to comment on the truth because the truth was obtained illegally through a hacking. And of course, you had to depend on illegal hacking because we would never tell you the truth in the first place. Man, it's the ultimate catch-22. We're never going to tell you the truth. We're only going to let you see the truth every now and then if you illegally hack our emails. But then we won't comment on the truth because the emails were illegally hacked and we don't want to condone illegal hacking. What we do want to practice is illegal not talking. Although it's not illegal not to talk, I guess. Isn't it funny the things that are crimes? So just think about this. Hacking into someone's email to find the truth is a crime. Okay, I get that. But lying to the public or misinforming the public is just clever PR. Where's George Carlin when you need him, D? Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Good job, WBZ. I got to give you a lot of credit for that. Meanwhile, 
Mayor Lightfoot released another public service announcement, this one about reopening the beach. Now, I know we generally save these bits for our Friday segment, Oh, What a Week. But D, this is just too good. Too priceless. Coming out in the aftermath of Patrick Smith's one-two power punch. A left, a right. Frazier is down. Frazier is down. That's my Howard Cosell imitation, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Nobody knows that. I don't know if anybody remembers Howard Cosell anymore. Anyway, D, let's play the PSA. You have anything you want to tell listeners before we play this PSA? Uh, It's not good. (laughs) Wait, wait. At all. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. I, it's, okay. That's not well, what I was getting. It's at. one of those ads yeah. where there's like a lot of music. And so uh, we have no way to show you like the what's going on on the video. So I fast forwarded about 28 seconds and uh, she starts uh, talking here. She's on a megaphone and uh, she's, what did she say? Welcome back, beaches. Yeah. <laughs> mm, here we go. Welcome back to the lakefront. Would you like some water? Welcome back to the lakefront. Thank you. It's her handing out water uh, to people riding their bikes on the lakefront. Absolutely. Would you like some water? How are you? Welcome back to the lakefront. Good. How are you? Good to see you. Welcome back, Chicago. The lakefront is open. And her riding her bike. And yes, she's wearing a helmet, people. Okay, thank you. By the way, Dee, you been wearing a helmet lately? Man, I got to be honest, not really. Uh-oh. 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 I believe I know someone who bought you a helmet for the express purpose of making you wear a helmet. Your mother away from home bought you that helmet. She's going to be very disappointed if she hears that you haven't worried. My my wife is constantly buying people helmets. My dear friend, Norm, uh, who's on my bowling team, we now have a Monday bike riding club now that bowling's over. Whoa. And, and I know. You know, the Monday the bike boys ride. are back in town. <laughs> the Monday bike riding club is like three of us riding up to Chili's in Evanston and eating hot wings and watching basketball. Hey, we, at least we rode our bikes there, D, okay? <laughs> but Norm doesn't have a helmet. My wife's all over his case. All right, anyway, here we go. <clears throat> back to business, the public service announcement. All right, I got a confession I want to start with. I'm a little embarrassed to make this confession. I already confessed this to Dennis today. He made fun of me, but whatever. I cannot hide from the truth just because it's embarrassing. So here's my confession, ladies and gentlemen. I secretly like, maybe even love, those Mayor Lightfoot public service announcements. And sometimes late at night when I can't get to sleep and there's no more basketball on the tube to watch, I put on those old Lori Life at PSAs and I watch them again. They're so hokey, they're charming. I enjoy the Lollapalooza one that Dennis played just a little while ago. And my favorite, though, will always be Be Scared of Grandma. That's the Thanksgiving public service announcement where Lori Lightfoot warned us of the health consequences of allowing grandma over the house to eat, over to the house to eat. We may either poison her with COVID or she may poison us with COVID. Ah, T, come on. Just play it just one more time and everybody wait for the sigh. Go ahead. It's just the right thing to do, even though it's a hard thing to do. Of course, I'll give your love to, to Amy and Viv and Hank. 
All right. Love you, Mom. We'll talk on Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. <laughs> I love the sigh. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it's three in the morning. I go, just one more sigh, Lori. <sighs> Way back to the beach. All right, let me break it down. Let me annotate this for you, ladies and gentlemen. Let me remind you, the beaches are closed. Was it March, April? I can't remember when. It's all a blur. But they were closed last spring at the insistence of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, basically because Mayor Lori Lightfoot threw a hissy fit. This is back in the early days of the pandemic, and she had just released PSAs and had daily press conferences urging people to wear their masks and stay indoors and don't congregate with others. And, and then on one of those unbelievably nice days in early, early spring where beautiful weather emerges from out of nowhere, Lori Lightfoot took a drive from Hyde Park to the Loop along Lakeshore Drive and discovered people on the lakefront jogging and walking and playing basketball and soccer and flying kites and smoking reefer and doing what people on the lakefront generally do and have been known to do forever. And so we saw the other side of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, not the be nice to grandma sighing side, but the one where she treats aldermen and alderwomen like Raylo and Jeanette Taylor and Byron Sixto Lopez like we are her wayward children. And so she got mad at Chicago for defying her orders and she closed the lakefront. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. Yes, that Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She closed the lakefront, closed the beaches. It was like, you can't be trusted, Chicago. I've learned my, from my mistakes. I'm not going to be nice to you ever again. No beaches for you. And then as time went on, it, gra- it gradually became clear that one, she and her staff should not have been so surprised that people flocked to the lakefront because that's what people in Chicago do when the weather suddenly gets nice. I'm not even from Chicago and I know that. And two, it also became clear that hanging out at the beach or jogging along the lakefront really wasn't what was spreading COVID. No, it was being in a confined space, like indoors, like a library. And yet she had closed the lakefront and opened the libraries. Now I'm not complaining. About the libraries being open. I love libraries being open. I go to libraries. And when you wear your mask and you say socially six feet distance, six feet apart, yes, they're safe. But at the very least, it's a mixed message to close the lakefronts and open the libraries when it's the closed places indoors where the virus spreads, not out in the open. And so in the hot days of last summer, you had scenes where all these youngsters looking to get a break from the heat headed to the beach, only be told by lifeguards, beat it. So instead of swimming on a beach protected by a lifeguard, they went over to places like Belmont Harbor and dove into gasoline poison waters where there were no lifeguards. It was a madness. And by the way, we know that Mayor Lightfoot closed those beaches because she was irritated at seeing people frolicking on them while driving from Hyde Park to the Loop because Black Club released an email written by the mayor to her staff saying just that. And where did Black Club get that email? Where else? The hacked emails, you know, the ones that the mayor's people are saying, quote, Reporting on materials compromised during a third-party vendor data transfer makes all of us less safe and encourages future bad actors to use nefarious means to gain information. I love it when they use big words like nefarious. 
And now that same mayor is doing public service announcements, handing out water to passerbys like she's forgiving us for having done something wrong when it was sort of her who did the wrong thing in the first place and we should be forgiving her. Here's the thing. Will this work politically speaking? Yes, I predict it will work. Because as I've said many times before, Chicago, you love your mayors. I think you love your mayors even more than you love the lakefront. And they, you kind of have this perverse attitude like you love it when they're mad at you. And they yell at you. But then they forgive you. And you love that when they forgive you. I can hear you right now, Northsiders. Then stop being mean to the mayor. I love the mayor. She's my mayor. All right, Chicago, enjoy your lakefront. Enjoy your summer. And enjoy your mayor. But if you have any questions about what the mayor says about you behind your back, remember this. Reporting on materials compromised during a third-party vendor data transfer makes all of us less safe and encourages future bad actors to use nefarious means to gain information. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. He's on deck. Although he hasn't weighed in yet. Always my favorite part of the Ben Jurassic show. <laughs> We're waiting for my guests to come in. <laughs> a little panic sets in, especially when that guest is of the boomer persuasion uh, uh, what do i do well, Dennis. That, that's okay we'll just keep playing this over and over attention welcome back beaches uh, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll play it for monroe and get his analysis oh, yeah, monroe's kind of it defends lori life i noticed it kind of defends her oh okay bit. and What do you think? Dude, I love this song. <laughs> I like this playlist I put together. Let me get you listening to something else. Uh huh. Check this one out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one's good, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so much better? All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You know, if life was only as much fun as uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot Public Service Announcement D, it would be a great life, wouldn't it? Then Arwani. Uh, you know Arwani's got some skills. She's kind of funny. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, Arwani. <laughs> That's our health commissioner, ladies and gentlemen. For a lot of fun, is to listen to the health commissioner explain how somehow or other you're getting more mental health services by closing mental health clinics than keeping them open. That's my favorite part of it. And not just this health commissioner, all health commissioners. See, Ben, what happens when you close the health clinics, the mental health clinics, you encourage people to go to private vendors. And there are a lot of private vendors. So there's actually by cutting, we're adding. Oh, I get it. Hmm. Anyway, my Anderson will be here. <laughs> uh, he's on deck talking Trump, George Floyd, and the proclamation that racism is over, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and much, much more. We'll be right back. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. 
things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader Stay Home Puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly newspaper since 1971. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from his attic. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we could have charged a mission uh, to listen to that last exchange between Monroe Anderson, me, one of my oldest friends in the world, Monroe Anderson, uh, not only a, f- a friend for a long time, but old like me, two baby boomers on a cell phone. Uh, did you, wait, I think what you got to do is what the millennials call refresh it. There's something called refreshing. <laughs> Anyway, you know, Monroe's like looking at me like, you know, I have been, I understand the computers. I'm not like you. Uh, yeah. I, I have a son who's a computer engineer. Yes. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, his mom may have had something to do with that. He didn't get there by accident. No. Joyce Owens, who, by the way, is ducking and dodging me. You ever notice that, Monroe, before we go on, how Joyce and I always be chatting on the phone? I go, Joyce, when are you coming on the show? Oh, Ben, I got to go. Here's Monroe. You ever notice that? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, the it's fastest way to get Joyce on. Ben, when you coming on? Ben, I gotta go. Here's Monroe. Monroe, she um, she, she 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 wants no recognition until after she's dead. <laughs> you know what? It's a shame, ladies and gentlemen, because Joyce Owen is uh, first of all, she's a brilliant artist, but she's very funny, very smart, uh, and has some really good insights about politics and the human condition in general and art and all kinds of, she'd be a great guest, but you can't force someone to be a guest on a podcast, Monroe. That's just, that's just the reality. So, um, all right. So much to discuss, uh, Donnie Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, George Floyd, uh, gosh, I uh, cancel culture from the right. My latest comment, I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Yeah. About, okay. Uh, my beloved lefties have closed their eyes to the anti-Semitism that's around them. We don't see. Oh, wait, because our eyes are closed. 
Right. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to Actually, their head's in a hole. That's <laughs> a hole. Yeah, it's hard to see when your head's in a hole. I don't want to see because it's upsetting. and I don't want to deal with the contradictions in my own life. But I want to talk about everybody else's contradiction. You ever notice that, Monroe? Everybody wants to talk about the inconsistencies of the other side, but never want to talk about their own inconsistencies. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Where do we start? Let's start with George Floyd. Okay. And um, front page news in every newspaper that I get. I get four newspapers. Well, three newspapers home delivered, and I get the Washington Post. Monroe, I, I have to tell you, I never would have imagined uh, the death of a completely unknown man in Minneapolis over a year ago would resonate uh, the way this has. It's almost like a modern day Emmett Till. Yeah. Uh, And I just, that that a year after George Floyd was murdered by those police, there are front page articles about George Floyd one year later. Oh yeah. It's been an incredible impact. I mean, and, and one of the ways I've noticed it, is watching TV. There are more black people in commercials <laughs> on TV in this last year yeah. than in the entire history of TV. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and um, they have interracial couples. They have black people at all of all stripes. Good-looking black people, not so good-looking black people, fat black people, thin black people. It's just amazing. And selling products that I didn't even know we used. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is. uh, The only thing I can think of that uh, compares to this and uh, was, of course, in the aftermath of the assassination of Martin Luther King. uh, And here in Chicago, the west side, I went up for flames. I don't know, Monroe, yeah, you lived here then. Uh, your beloved Gary. I think there were riots in Gary as well. Riots all over in, in cities all over the country. Uh, and in the aftermath, like all of a sudden there was open housing initiatives and uh, push. Journalists. Yeah. A, yeah, they started looking. So we should at least have one of them on staff to cover the riots. <laughs> that's, that's how I got my, my, my illustrious career. Because they hired you to go, okay, Monroe, we're hiring you. Now, you see those burning buildings? Go right. cover it. Right. Yeah. No, the day I had an interview for an internship with Newsweek magazine here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was the day after Dr. King had been assassinated. Chicago, the West Side was in flames. It was the easiest job interview I've ever had in my life. It's basically, when could you start? Well, I, you know, I have to go back and finish the semester, but I'll be here this summer. It's basically, when can you start? Hurry up. Right. Uh, yeah. So um, a lot of uh, sort of. Oh, oh, oh speak, but speaking of this mm-hmm. whole like rush on black people now, mm-hmm. um, you also have a situation in um, in Green Bay where they're replacing uh, a, a, a great quarterback with a black quarterback. And we're going to have a black quarterback here in, in Chicago. Now, one of the articles, I, you know, I, I, obviously I'm not, I'm not as good with sports as you are, but one of the articles I saw was that because of the um, success of the 2020 black quarterbacks, 
suddenly they're a hot item. I I can remember there was a time when they didn't think we were smart enough to actually run a team. They thought we could run the ball, but not a team. All right, we're going to go into this tangent, which I'm happy to go. I was talking about this. This is one of my mini obsessions. Uh, The attitude uh, that white people have toward black people when it comes to sports. Uh, and then in particular, the attitude the white people have about black people playing quarterback. And you're absolutely correct. Quarterback is this position uh, which has been elevated. This is the person who is like just behind the coach and intelligence. This is how they view it. Right. It must be brilliant, uh, like a chess player. And they like liken it to the mind of a chess player. We're already always anticipating a move three or four steps ahead of the other guy. You can quickly change. And you're right. And nobody has ever said this, Monroe, but this will get into when we all have this further conversation uh, when we talk about attitudes of the left toward Jews. I've heard white people talk about black people for so long that I know the attitude exists. Black people just don't have what it takes to do. I know that Monroe and you know it too, because you've heard bits and pieces. You may not have heard this as much as I've heard, but you've heard enough to know that that prejudice exists. Correct? Yes. I mean, it's it's existed in everything. For example, there was this, um, when I was at the Tribune, there was this reporter, Bob Davis, who covered city hall for the Tribune. And um, he he once said to me, well, uh, they couldn't have blacks covering city hall because they needed somebody in there who, 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 who knew how to talk to the guys, who could talk to the guys, the politicians at city hall. He also one time um, made a comment about one of the aldermen, and he said he was the dumbest white man he knew. This and, man said this to you? Yes. And we, it must have been, I didn't say anything to him, but I must, it must have been a look I gave him because he apologized immediately. Wow. Well, I, uh, I, that, that is really, um, you caught me off guard with that one because that's just so out there, you know? Right. Usually right. I think white people are bailing a little bit when a black guy's around, unless they've been drinking. We'll get right. into this again. Uh, we'll get to the drinking. You know, it's just, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, in the newsroom or something. No, I mean, let me go back to the 80s. Uh, again, we're in sports, but uh, Al Campanis was, uh, it was, oh, I think yeah, they were right. commemorating Jackie Robinson. Uh, Jackie Robinson, like, for whatever, how many years it was then, at 40 years maybe, since he uh, uh, was the first black man to play in Major League Baseball. And they were asking Al Campanis, it was a, a nightline. They, uh, he was the general manager of some muckety muck with the Dodgers. And uh, he said, well, why, why did it take so long? And he goes, well, blacks didn't have the necessities. And then he started talking about blacks can't swim. And I mean, he put it out there. I got some levels. You just got to give him credit, Monroe. You know what I mean? He put oh, it yeah. out there. And Ted oh, Koppel's like, oh. okay, I can remember back in the 70s, <laughs> some some white um, long distance runner saying that um, blacks couldn't win the, the marathons or what have you because they were too lazy. They could only run the sprints. That that's stupid on so many levels. Because number one, it, first of all, it's like sprinting is not a, a lazy man's sport. If you ever done it, you would know. That's number one. And number two, the greatest runners in the world, long distance runners, are black men and black now, women. Yeah, now, but back then, I don't think they were. Hockey, yeah, Kip Kino in the nineteen seventy two Olympics from Kenya. Man, he. Was, 
I used to yeah. love watching that guy run. And then they made such a big deal about Dave Waddle. Oh my God, I can go on and on about track and field. You got me going. He was a white man and they were so excited because he won the 880. I think it was in 72. Don't quote me. It could have been 76. My Olympics are coming together. Okay, He's well, past one. It was in the 60s when I heard yeah. this. But I, uh, you know, if you get to be a certain age and those years blend on you. But, um, but no, I, I mean, I was shocked when, when I read it because I was going, I don't know that much about sports, but that doesn't make any sense to me. No, it makes no sense at all on any level, uh, in any degree. But that's the attitude that's prevalent in sports. And that's the attitude. And so what really kind of irritated me, Monroe, is that, like, nobody would address, address the possibility, even the remote possibility that the Bears had been prejudiced when they made that draft choice, when they overlooked the greatest quarterback of his generation, Patrick Mahomes, to right. take the most mediocre quarterback of his generation. Nobody yeah. even like... Well, no, but there was grumbling about them taking Trubinsky. Now, I don't know if that grumbling was because they didn't get Holmes. Mahomes. I didn't pay that close, but I, I can remember reading on, on, on Facebook some comments from people saying... God, Trubinsky, what a horrible decision. Let's go there. And this was right, this was during the draft, not after. No, but I, I, you, listen, racism hurts black people the most. Yes. But it also hurts white people. Because right. when you're stupid and you make judgments based on prejudice and bigotry, you hurt yourself right. to a certain degree. And, you know, and also, I can remember, there was this book about basketball, which is, again, your field of expertise, but I can't remember the name of the book, but the guy talked about this player, basketball, black player, one of the early black basketball players who was driving towards the, the, the um, uh, rim and passed the ball behind his back to a white player. And the white player took the ball and hit him with it, threw it at him because he thought it was an insult that he would pass a ball to him behind his back. And I just went, wow. That's, yeah, no, uh, we've come a long way. I, I went, and in certain degrees, we have come a long oh, way. Yeah, we have. We have. And, uh, but this was what I was going to go back. We went on this tangent about uh, football. I could talk about the Bears. So, uh, like I said, I just have to close this by saying, Bears, you did the right thing this time. You drafted, you traded up to draft Justin Fields, a black man. So now you're trying to like undo the damage. It's just like you're saying, Monroe, you just, but you said like in the aftermath of George Floyd, you're seeing all these black people in commercials in the aftermath of Mitch Trubisky versus Patrick Mahomes. They suddenly trading up to take a black guy. You know what I mean? I'm really hoping he's good too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Cause if he's not good, you know what? Well, the Bears had, had one black quarterback before this. Would have had individual blood. Vince Evans was my favorite quarterback Vince, in the early eighties. Yeah. Vince Evans. I think Jake hated guy. Vince Evans. Don't even right. get me started on this stuff, Monroe. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, let's, let's go. Let's go to some, something else we can hate mutually. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I think we actually you stayed loyal to the Bears for the last two years because Monroe would be like he has he can come over to watch the Bears game. Why well, am I watching the Bears? Uh, but. Let's go back to uh, the George Floyd situation. Okay. And in the aftermath, the year later, articles are all like, you know, you want 
I know when you're assigned a year later article, I've been assigned such articles and I'm sure you have in your career one yeah. year after, but you have to, they want you to accentuate positive. So try to, let's do that right now. Monroe Anderson, uh, put away all jadedness, cynicism, uh, years and years of experience has something quote unquote positive emerged from the ghastly murder public execution of George Floyd? Well, there, there possibly, more than likely, will be a bill that George named after him, uh, a police re reform bill. Um, and, and that's a good thing. And um, the Democrats are moving in very bold steps forward into taking care of black Americans for the first time since LBJ, basically. Uh, and the Republicans are taking, making moves to block those steps every chance they get, um, as, as, as much as they've done since um, the, the um, anti um progressive movement in the 1870s mm. after reconstruction when they decided it was not a good good idea to have blacks in congress and voting and things like that and so they had the reign of terror uh, with the kkk and then they, of course they went into separate but equal jim crow stuff mm -hmm. yeah uh, by the way it's just for the record, the people who were on the good side of that uh, fight in back in the 1870s, and I, I say this from having read about it because I wasn't there. I'm old, but not sure? that old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, look who's calling who old. Uh, uh, I was not there, but I've read about it. Uh, yeah. So the quote unquote good guys in those days were Republicans. Right. And the bad guys were Democrats. Right. Uh, and there was and a that's flip. What the Republicans keep trying to, to I do know. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. The Republicans. The party of Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think now I've learned a long time ago from having lived in Chicago and not to overestimate the intelligence of voters. Uh, you know, I've learned that from years yeah. and years in Chicago. Okay. Dealing with the, uh, the way this, this, the adoration people in the city have for their mayors. Uh, so do you believe there are voters, particularly black voters in the United States who are fooled by Republicans saying, uh, it was the Democrats who opposed civil, uh, uh who, who've enforced Jim Crow, who imposed. Yeah, no, there are people, there wow. are people like that. See, because th this is the thing, you and I spend much of our waking hours paying attention to politics. Most people don't. They're trying to put food on the table, keep a roof over their heads, um, keep gas in their car, um, going to church or they have other lives besides politics. So when they dip into that world, it's very superficially and it's very stereotypical. Their exposure for the most part. Well, um, it's, 
when I when when I was a freshman at Indiana University back in the sixties. Uh, I, I, I lived in this all men's dorm, and some of these farm boys from Indiana, because we had a communal shower, they would be checking me out because they had heard that black people had tails, so they were they were mystified because they didn't know where my tail was. Uh, could you turn around fully so I could see? Exactly. Uh, I they might have been trying to check out something else. Well, okay. But well, they were staring at my anatomy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, anyway, I am, I'm hoping for the best uh, in the aftermath of uh, George Floyd's murder. I'm not feeling really positive about it. Monroe, yesterday on the show, we talked a lot about uh, an article that ran in the New York Times, a a focus group with uh, Frank Luntz, who is the Republican political strategist whose expertise is doing focus groups with uh, Trumpers. Luntz gave uh, us gaming versus gambling. Yes. um, Death tax versus um, um, estate tax. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, it, through his interviews with selected groups of voters, he uh, observed what really pushed their buttons, uh, what the phraseology that you could use, that you could employ uh, to get them to do something that might not be in their best interest, motivate them uh, to vote Republican. He figured it out. You're absolutely correct, Monroe. Just, I didn't say it was stupid. No, um, no, no. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Republicans have taken it and uh, done very well with his uh, his his lessons. Anyway, so what? So he was he had a group, 14 or so Republicans, all MAGA, all lovers of Trump. Uh, and he was asking them various questions. First, they started through the election the election of uh, Donald Trump and all of them were just instantaneously uh, agree- convinced that the election was stolen, that there were improprieties, even though there are, it wasn't stolen and there are really right. no improprieties to speak of. Uh, and uh, that we need to stand up to Democrats and pass laws to prevent future thefts. So that's what they said. Then they get to George Floyd. And they're, it took them a while, Monroe, because even white MAGA hat, white, white MAGA Republicans are like, well, you know, I don't want to look racist. Let me figure out what I have to say. And then sooner or later, they got going. They started talking about how, well, you know, the man was on drugs and, you know, the man had uh, been arrested before. And, you know, had he done, behaved a little differently, uh, maybe he would be around today. And it's really racist of you to say the police are racist, et cetera, and so forth. Right. And that's when I read that, I'm like, I don't know how much we've progressed. Uh, well, in- you know, this, this is the thing. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's horrible. And those people, as a general rule, are racist and ignorant. But they are, while they dominate the Republicans, the Republicans have been shrinking, and now they're only like 25% of Americans, identified, people who identify as Republicans, 25% of the population. So that's 40% of 25%. So they're very loud. They're, they're the, 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 the loud minority. And, and they're having impact because right now the Republicans are 
one seat away from taking back the Senate and five or six seats away from taking back the House. And um, they would throw their mama under the bus to get that because they were just power hungry. They, they don't have any philosophy. They don't, they don't have any, any, any principles. What they have right now is a lust for power, and that's it. Well, I, I'm, to this point, I'm I'm concerned about this, Monroe. I was chatting with a good friend of mine, uh, Lenny Mata Hoppenworth, who is a, a reader. She works for the Reader, but she's also a political activist on the north side of Chicago, very uh, affiliated with the Indivisible groups. Uh, and she was saying, I'm going to do my best to paraphrase what she said, that she's a little concerned right now because folks, as she put it, just want to go back to normal. They want to go to the beach. Yeah. And when she said, and she was talking about Democrat leaning people. And I'm like, I don't think MAGA even thinks about going to the beach. Yeah. yeah. I get to feel MAGA's thinking about, we want to take back the house. Yeah. It's just like a different mindset. Right. You know, we're, we're, we told, we're this Trump, is, we want Trump back in office. Yes. <laughs> MAGA wants he's, Trump. He's back. in exile right now. Yeah. The, the president is in exile. But. Yeah. What MAGA, like like your anti-Jewish people, your anti-Semitic people who claim that they aren't and don't know about it, uh, Trump is not coming back to the White House. Trump Trump is going to be running not for president, but from the long arm of the law. <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get into that. It's always my favorite part of Monroe Anderson uh, conversation when uh, he tries to assure me that Donald Trump will one day, one day be uh, held accountable for his many crimes against right. mankind. The orange man will be wearing an orange suit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it will go well with his hair. Um, all right, uh, give us the latest and uh, take the deep dive a little bit. Go ahead. Okay, the, the latest is that uh, we now have a grand jury that has been seated and will be looking into Trump's business, the Trump, the Trump, Trump Incorporated, his, his, his family business. They will be looking into it. They have all his papers, his financial papers, and they've, they've gone through a lot of them, not all of them. Um, they're going to have a, a, a grand jury. Uh, Wiseman, uh, Berg, Weisenstein. Anyway, Trump's accountant, who has been his accountant, was his father's accountant. Yeah, before, he knows all the secrets. He, as Michael Cohn says, there's not a penny that comes in to the Trump admin, uh, uh, businesses are out of it that he doesn't know about. And in fact, Trump, a few years back, I can remember Trump saying that when it comes to um, handling his money, he wants a guy wearing a yarmulke. Yeah, we'll get into that. We will get into that. Uh, uh, And um, uh, Weisselberg is his name. Alan Weisselberg. Yeah, Weisselberg. Yeah. Yeah. He's been handling the Trump. Yeah. No, we'll we'll get it. We're going to do a whole thing on uh, the just interesting contrast between lefty attitudes toward Jewish people and right wing attitudes towards Jewish people. Uh, but yeah, uh, Cohen. It, from the moment that Cohen decided, for whatever reasons, that he was going to flip uh, and try to take Trump down, he has been pointing this finger 
Right. Uh, at this account, well, he decided to to flip because Trump dogged him out and then threw him under the bus. You know, yeah. Trump wouldn't have had any of these problems if he had just given the man a job in his administration. He could have made him um, chief door door closer or something. And Cohen would have been. You remember when he was going to take a bullet for Trump? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, and, and, and now he's become Superman, and the bullets are bouncing off. Of <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. Is he still on MSNBC? Do they still bring him on? Cohen? Oh yeah, he's, oh, he's yeah. On, yeah, no, they bring him on all the time. Okay, he's on. A, sometimes he's on two or three different shows at a time, depending on what's <laughs> going on at the news. Uh, they got him there. Yeah, no, he hates Trump. He's a cultist who uh, suddenly saw the light for whatever reason. Right. Uh, and I guess you're right. It was a combination of not only having to go to federal prison to protect Trump, to be, but to be insulted by Trump while he went to federal prison. It was the combo. You yeah, know what right. I'm saying? Right. Uh, he may have done, if it was just an insult, but then a pardon, he may, that may have been okay. If it may have been uh, going to prison, but praise, maybe that would have been. But you put them together, that's it. I've had enough. I don't blame him, man. Trump right. did use him, treat him like a dog. Right. And in fact, the time he's serving, and in, he's in, in, now in, under house arrest, but the time he's serving is for the crime that he did for Trump. Yeah. Wait, now, is he, he still under house arrest? He's uh, still yeah. under, when oh, he yeah. does all those interviews, he's under house arrest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Well, bracelet, you know, but I mean, yeah. he's still doing okay. time. Yeah, because because of the pandemic, he got he got out of prison. I know he got out of prison. Yeah, I just didn't yeah, know. But he didn't get he didn't get a get out of jail free card. I think he gets to walk around. He just yeah. can't. Uh, I I actually have seen him in public places. Well, he he was been able to do that, but then he 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 did something that that violated his his the conditions for while he could be out of while he could be out of house arrest. Yeah. But then they went to court. You know, this is a whole back and forth that they have going on because Trump has been trying to destroy him every which way he could. Yeah. And he's, uh, and he's, he's met with the feds at least eight or nine times for hours at a time, spilling the beans. Well, it'll really come down to uh, the accountant. If Weisselberg testifies against Trump, that is very problematic for Trump. And uh, he, Trump does not have, at the moment anyway, his Twitter megaphone. Uh, to try to, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Weisberg is going to flip on Trump. Well, and we'll see about that. Does, that's going to be the end. It will be, when I think of the people who've turned on Trump, Yeah, uh, it's Cohen, but probably the most significant person is his niece, Mary Trump. Right. Who, who uh, wrote the tell-all book about the family's uh, dysfunction. Yeah, yeah because they, they didn't give her daddy and her any money. They cut them out of it. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't care about the motives, why they do the things they do, Monroe, just that they do the things that they do. Exactly. Now, and Weisenberg is going to flip because the feds, the, not the feds, the, the, uh, New York, um, Attorney General has dirt on him on on his kids. Letitia James. Yeah, yeah, and and Vance and Vance, both of them. They've teamed up. 
Now, Letitia was doing civil cases against Trump. Um, Vance was going for criminal. It just announced criminal. And, And part of the the criminal stuff that Weisen, Weisenberg has done is he's accepted all sorts of Trump, Trump operates like a mob boss. And so what he does to keep people loyal is he will buy them a house or put their kids through college, mm-hmm. things that make you appreciative of him and tie you into him. And so Weisenberg's, uh, former daughter-in-law is one of the witnesses against him because she lived in a house for 28 years that Trump was paying for. And, and Weisenberg's son wasn't um, putting it on his taxes. He's just living there. Mm. And so they ha- they're going to have him on a tax count. So they're going after Weisenberg's children. I they get you squeeze them. To squeeze him, yeah, and so what he's going to have to decide. Um, he has three decisions: he can stick with Trump, uh, or he can see his kids go to jail, or he can spend his golden years in jail. He's 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 a, he's seventy three years old. He, he's even older than I am. If this yeah, right. possible. He's, Listen, he's, I, just listening to you lay it all out, I got mixed feelings because. Usually I'm on the side, I don't know, being rooting for the feds while they squeeze somebody this way to get them to talk. It just is, is unseemly to put it mildly. Well, that's, but when know, it comes to the Trump, Rudy's, Rudy's tactics. Yes. That, I mean, he, he, he created those tactics when he was in that position. Yeah back a very long time ago. Yeah. And so I think it's poetic justice yeah. that they're going to do it to him. They're going to use his own tactics against him. And see, I have a confession to make here, Monroe. I'm, I'd like to think I'm a man of principle, but I realize that after all these years, it's really hard to stake a principle and stand by that principle on behalf of somebody who has spent his entire career violating that principle. It's right. hard not to say, you know what? You get what you deserve because you were never near a front line when it came to fighting for people who truly are being abused by feds. Donald John Trump and his ilk have never been any, like you think about what the feds did to all the hippies and the activists and the black Panthers and Martin Luther King back and in the sixties. Well, that, that's, Police department, yes, we're moving on, right? But but Trump ran the full yes ad, the full ad the New York Times saying they should be executed. Yes. So now you want me to sit there and go, oh yeah, yeah, no, it's really wrong that they're doing to you. They're squeezing you. And by the way, you get Donald Trump's had far more privilege uh, and uh, far more uh, protection from the federal investigators than any Central Park Five defendant, any oh, yeah, Black no, Panther. Because he had corrupted the Department of Justice yes. as president. But, if, and as, as I, I've suggested to you, swore to you in years past, that there would come a time when Trump would be in trouble. 
because he's no longer president. So he doesn't have any of those protections he had. This is why he ran so hard that second term, not to not because he wanted to do the job, because he wasn't doing the job, but he wanted to he wanted to win again so he could stay out of jail. And now it's coming. The, the fat lady is 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 doing her voice warm up. <laughs> well, I know many of my listeners are going, Monroe. We've heard you say this before, but right. uh, maybe this time uh, you will be correct. Well, no, no, no. I've said it before, and it's been happening. You know, it's, it's all these things have been put into place. They got the money. You know, I, I said they were going to get his, his taxes. I, he thought he took it all the way to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. All these things take time, but it's, it's well, going to come crashing down. It, this is why this is one uh, fight that's going on. And meanwhile, there'll be a fight to take back to, to hold the House and hold the Senate. It's coming up. Yes. Uh, it'll be very difficult. Already we've seen that the Republicans uh, do not want in any way uh, to participate uh, in an investigation of what went down on January 6th. Right. Uh, that they because got... Some it, of them were part of the conspiracy, but... Yes, yeah. and are still part of it. Exactly. And um, I get emails every day. I, I resist sending them to you because I know you don't want to see them. Things like Kevin McCarthy uh, bragging about how he visited Trump in Mar-a-Lago. Rick Scott bragging about how he visited Trump in Mar-a-Lago. All these Republican big shots talking about how they went and saw Trump and Trump, Trump saw him this and that. And they're raising money off of it, which makes it pretty obvious that Donald Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. And so if the Republicans take back the House and the Senate, they will do absolutely everything they can to, well, undercut the legitimacy of any investigation and what uh, Donald Trump had done. They will do everything they can to thwart Biden's presidency. Yes, that too. This is why um, the filibuster is on his on life support right now. Put aside the filibuster for a moment. We yes. haven't talked about this in a while. Uh, so many other matters have just pushed this off. The Joe Biden had an infrastructure plan that he, he announced he was proud of. Now he's going through the motions or of when I say he's going through the motions, I mean, there's this public spectacle of negotiations between Republicans and Democrat, what Republicans will buy in the infrastructure plan. And Monroe, there's certain degree, I'm like, just pass the damn thing. Oh, I know. Just forget the, the looking for Republicans at this. You've got Cinema and 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 Mansion, who are are tr- tr- trying to insist on a, a, a bipartisan bill, but they're uh, they're about to flip. They're I see about, that. They, they had a public statement yesterday, which I'm sure you saw. Yes, that, I did. That 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 complained. Because what's what's been happening is those of us on the left have been saying to the two of them, well, um, you need 10 Republicans. Where are these 10 Republicans? We'll we'll agree with you and go along with you if you can tell us who these 10 Republicans you think are. Yeah. No, they don't exist. Right, exactly. They're unicorns. Yeah, uh, so ten unicorns. Well, actually, actually, uh, 
the Senator um, Murdowski, the Senator from Alaska. Yeah, Lisa Murdowski. Uh, Murdowski, yeah, she's going to vote for the um, January 6th. Oh, okay. Investigation. <laughs> the so investigation of the insurrection. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's one vote. That's one vote. Oh, what a right. joke. Well, they talk, they'd be still talking about Benghazi if they could. What oh, a freaking joke. Right. And and this is what, what if, 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 if the Republicans don't go along with it, this is what the Democrats are going to do. They're going to do, they're going to give them some Benghazi on January 6th. Yeah. And the difference is they got pictures. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Republicans no, I, had four very different investigations without pictures. They just no. laid it up as out of thin cloth. The the Democrats will get the goods because obviously there were some Republicans who were involved in this. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, uh, this is why I said Monroe that I really struggle, uh, with the, um, the ideal of having principled positions, like the principle remains anchored, uh, regardless of the particulars. So it could be a Democrat or a Republican, uh, violating some principle. I'm going to stand up to those prince for those principles, regardless. It's really hard to maintain that in the face of just the utter hypocrisy of the Republican party, where they throw away every principle they have whenever it's uncomfortable for them. Uh, and meanwhile, hold Democrats to this impossible standard. Just, just the thought the Republicans are going on and on about how there's no bipartisanship from the democratic party. Right. Joe Biden's bending over backwards. Right. <laughs> You know, to give them money so they could go give the money to the people in their states and then spend the next two years clipping ribbons. No, they don't even want the money. Right. Then it's not principled to bring a knife to a gunfight. By the way, we're going to get uh, in the particulars of this on a local level. As we speak, the Senate and the state of Illinois and the House are drawing up the political maps. And, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite conversations, fair mapping. Uh, So we'll get into that. All right, Monroe, let's uh, let's discuss uh, anti-Semitism in America today, uh, particularly on the left. I just uh, I wrote a column which just came out. I sent it to you. So I know you read it. Yeah, I did. You did a good job. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, I really do. And I just, I'm speaking from my heart here. Uh, I'm an old guy, been around a long time, heard a lot of conversations. You, 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 you're an old Jew, as, as the people in your neighborhood re- would say. To that guy back in the 80s. Yes, I know. That's what I am. And so I've heard what people say. You know, just in private conversations, maybe yeah. they had a few to drink and they, they make comments about Jewish people and they do it in front of me. And sometimes they realize what they've done. They go, oh, sorry, man, you know? Right. And so for the left to sit here and say that there's no anti-Semitism whatsoever among their ranks and that all their opposition to what's going on uh, in the Middle East has to do with bombing a Gaza or the way Israel treats uh, the Palestinians. Uh, it's all based on just real issues as opposed to emotions and prejudices and feelings that they have, have inside them or conversations that are bouncing around their brains. I'm like Monroe, 
Stop it, people. That's like, and again, I'll make the comparison. It really drives it home. When I hear white people say, I never see color. Right. I, I just judge people by the content of their character. And when a guy walks in the room, I don't know what color he is. I'm like, who are you kidding? I know there've been psychological studies done that I've read about where when a person walks into a room, the first thing somebody does is, is designate sex, no, whether it's a man or a woman. And then after that is race. They, they just do that <laughs> because this is how America rolls. And they happen differently in, in other parts of the world, but here it's definitely that way. Well, at one point I've been in today's white women in Lincoln Park for 42 years, just because I'm a black man walking around, and it's yeah. like I might snatch their purse or rape them or something. Yeah, you know it's funny. It's this is how it plays with your mind, because uh, so for the last year during the pandemic, whenever I see I'm doing a walk, whenever I see anybody coming toward me, I walk the other. I, I literally walk out into the street away from that person. I'm just, that's how paranoid I, I am. I was, right. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, I'm not messing around. I'm walking in. A, you walk that way. I'm, you could keep the sidewalk. I'm walking out and I'll walk around and come back. So, okay. But sometimes yeah. when it's a black guy, I almost want to say, I'm not doing this because you're black. I'm, right. <laughs> you know, no, seriously, man, I would do it if it was a white lady. Well, you know, right. Exactly. No, you know, and, and that's interesting because now when, when it's done to me, Instead of my just automatically assuming it's because I'm black, I go, oh, yeah, I understand it. They don't, they don't want the virus, so they try just to avoid getting the virus. Yeah. No, I'm and, not. And now that I'm vaccinated, I'm not even wearing a mask anymore. You know, it's like oh, they said I, if you're vaccinated, you could be outside without. You wear a mask when you go inside, though, don't you? Uh, no. When you go to Trader Joe's or Jewel or whatever, you, you don't wear a mask? Oh, sometimes not not in in um, Mariano's anymore. They say they, they, they masks aren't required. Oh no, the issue isn't required. I I just if got it's so required. Used to it. I wear it. If it's not, then I don't. All right, uh, but I'm because the thing is, yes, I don't know if you know this, but yesterday they they uh, the CDC came out with a ruling that even if if you're vaccinated and you're exposed to someone with the virus, you don't even have to take a test anymore. That's not good, the vaccination. Yeah. No, all right. I, so uh, I lost track of where I was. So let me come back to this. In the uh, essay I wrote, yes. uh, I'm talking about how there's a propensity for people to create a single stereotype, take a, a, a wide, diverse array of characters that uh, – could be Jewish or Mexican American or black, et cetera, and so forth, and reduce it to a social stereotype that makes them like all black people, all Jewish people, all Mexican American people, all Muslims. And that is uh, the heart of prejudice, bigotry, racism, and racism, anti-Semitism, et cetera. And so I was opining, and I'd love to get your reaction to this, that from all the conversations I've heard, not on the record conversations, just everyday conversations and bars and in grocery stores and family get togethers and restaurants that the, the, the group most lumped together as a single entity without 
distinguishing between the differences of individuals are black Americans. Yes. Number two, Jewish Americans. Yes. And number three, Muslims. And then I'm like, you know, it's. Well, you said Mexicans also. And Mexicans. Yeah. yeah. Mexicans are there. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mexicans, particularly since Trump. And, yeah. and now Asians, it's like. Uh, now that's stereotype too, but they're the good minority. Yeah. They're, the you know, they're all smart and they're all not troublemakers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what's your order? From most uh, at the top of the list, most <laughs> clumped together as a Crackers. single thing. Crackers. <laughs> Crackers. Use <laughs> uh, opinions of Monroe Anderson. <laughs> and, and, and just 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 to be clear, um, I have determined this is my theory, but mm-hmm. my theory is that crackers the way they got that name is they were that comes from the overseers who would crack the whip on black people is is that your theory or have you done that's research my that's okay. my theory I, i've not read it anywhere although it's probably um when i was four i invented the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and when i went to kindergarten i was surprised that other people <laughs> were eating it too so, <laughs> yeah. so i'm not i'm not, I'm not that that is not somebody else's idea too that all right so you the number one group uh i would say would be black americans and jewish americans and so i just find it really i just uh, my appeal to the left is that instead of just having this knee-jerk denial that there is anti-Semitism in our country and it does motivate people's behavior. Uh, you address it, you look at it, you talk about it. And like, like when I see thugs hop out of a car uh, in uh, LA, Monroe, and I pa- talked about this in the story and just start, where the Jews and start beating up Jewish people. I'm like, Hey, left, where's, where the tweets condemning right. this? Where, right. What? And it's like the lefties are, they don't know what to say, Monroe. You know what I mean? They don't, it's like, they don't know what the political correct way of dealing with Jews getting beat up. It's kind of like, well, shouldn't there just be a, talk about a principled stand, a principled stand against people just beating up people on the street because they're of a particular ethnic group. Your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think the, 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 the problem is that right now where we are, because we're so divided in so many different ways that we need um, somebody else to blame our problems on. And so with the, with the liberals right now, because, because um, you have the leader of Israel who is um, – a Jewish Trump and doing th- things that Trump would do in, in Israel, then um, they, 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 they are siding with the underdog, the Palestinians. Uh, and so it's Jews here a fair game, which is just makes no sense whatsoever. Um, you know, um, the, the, th- the thing is, the, I, I, I read this, this thing about how human beings need to have a story to make, to make, make sense out of something. It could be random and uh, because they don't understand it. 
then they they make up some reason. I mean, personally, as 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 uh, an atheist, I think that's how we got God. There's all these things going on that we couldn't couldn't figure out how it was happening. So we figured there was some 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 mighty man up in the sky who was making decisions on what what should happen in our lives or not. And he's, if we, if we didn't do what he he thought we should do, then he would punish us. And if you see the volcanoes going on now, have you seen these TV pictures? That's that's where hell came from. I think is um, primitive man or more primitive than now. Yeah. So uh, the fire coming out of the earth and say, oh, that must be where hell is down there in the earth. And, you know, then we look up at the clouds on a beautiful day. Floating by. <laughs> oh, that's where heaven is. I want to go there one day. <laughs> Monroe, you and I have been having conversations forever. I maybe you said it before, and it just slipped my mind. But so you identify yourself as an atheist. You don't call yourself an agnostic. Sometimes it depends on which side of the bed I get up. On. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sometimes I'm an agnostic. Sometimes I'm an atheist. But I'm one or the other, and I'm always a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. I. Um, no, I uh, I hope uh, we're at a, a moment here where uh, the left can sort of take stock. I don't have a great faith in this. Uh, bad habits are very hard to break. And um, this is just kind of where we are right now in this country. Uh, but uh, when I did, it was it was that uh, what, what set it off, Monroe, is when I saw the, the, the articles about these thugs just beating people up on the street going, where are the Jews? And uh, I was like, where's the outcry? <laughs> it's only the, yeah, like Jewish yeah, people yeah. are outcry. Yeah, but, you know, we're in such weird times, all these killings that are going on. And this is blacks killing blacks in Chicago. And some of it is gang related. A lot of it is gang related, but it's also social media. Mm. Somebody says something stupid about somebody on, on Facebook and so they decide that they need to die. So they, then they go to the, they know they're having a party or something. They go there and shoot up the party. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. No, the world is particularly insane at this time. And so let's close with a little right-wing insanity. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman from Georgia, it's got to be the winner of the esteemed, most batshit crazy congressperson I have ever seen. Now, Matt, if you have another candidate, Monroe, uh, please let me know. But the stuff that comes out of her mouth, the way she behaves, you know, it's almost like she's lost control. So she like she goes up to people in the streets and starts hectoring them and yeah, following this them. Is a, this 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 is Trumpism. At, at his height, like, the Republicans don't have any plans. They don't have a program. They don't have a platform. They don't have principles. They don't have anything. But the one thing they have is the crazier you act, then the more money you can get from other Republicans. <laughs> as, as long as you diss the libs, that's what you, that's what you have to. You have to. You, you have to trigger the libs. If you can do that, then people will give you money. Uh, and so this is what she's doing. This is how how you become a rich and powerful Republican nowadays is by saying crazy, stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. 
are doing crazy, stupid things. You know, the teenager that, um, that from, from, um, from Illinois that went over to and shot two, uh, shot up the black lives matter, killed two people. Oh, Kyle Nuss, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's gotten 2 million and some dollars yeah. for his defense fund. On a, on a family for for killing two white men in, who were in a, in a Black Lives Matter march. Yeah, and by and I cannot allow this point to pass. The insane McCaskey, who waved his weaponry at Black Lives Matter protesters who were walking by his house, is right. now running for the Republican nomination to be senator of from Missouri. And you know what? Here's the thing: the Republicans are telling the Democrats. We want, uh, we will agree to an investigation of what went down on January 6th if we get to investigate uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, rioting, which wasn't even. And Antifa. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Antifa. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, let's have an investigation. We'll start with the McCaskies. Like some Black Lives Matter protesters are walking by their house, not bothering them at all. And they come out with riflery, weaponry. And now, you know, first you give them a speaking position at the Republican convention. And now you're going to treat them as a serious candidate. You're right, Monroe. The crazier you are, the more likely you are to get uh, prominence and uh, contributions from the Republican Party these days. Yeah, so and I'm going out on a limb on this, as, as I do from time to time. Uh-oh. But I'm not so sure the Republicans' party will exist two years from now. All right, well, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see it's as we're living in. conservative party, but it'll be the Lincoln Party or something like that. Because they're ruining the name. Well, we will have this conversation uh, all throughout next year uh, as we head closer and closer uh, to decisive elections uh, that will uh, determine uh, who it will be controlling the House and who will be controlling the Senate. Uh, and so I urge everybody to listen to the I did an interview with Barbara Arnwine this weekend. Uh, she's one of the activists who's uh, leading the fight uh, in Congress uh, for election rights, voting rights laws that would undercut the effort by Republicans throughout the country to limit uh, ter- basically to limit black turnout in the hopes that that's what it takes uh, to win the House. Monroe, thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, I'm, I always close by saying stay safe and sound. But since you're not even wearing a mask anymore, just uh, we'll see you next time. All right. I'm we'll bulletproof. See you. He's <laughs> yeah, uh, he's bulletproof Monroe Anderson. Uh, so that's uh, the great Monroe Anderson, legendary uh, Chicago journalist, Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Tribune, uh, CBS TV. Uh, and of course, uh, before that, press secretary to Eugene Sawyer. Uh, and I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. As Monroe Anderson and Lori Lightfoot will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Keep yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J. Bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V as in Victory S-K-Y, or wherever else you download podcasts. You can always send us an email, Show at gmail.com. 
B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Benny J show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show and call our program 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. 